starting in verse 6 today. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6. We'll see how far we get through this morning. So last week we talked about trials and tribulation, and Paul encouraged us, remember that this will build our perseverance. It'll build our patience. Don't go ask for patience unless you're ready for some kind of trial, because that's what builds patience, is the trial that we go through. So don't be saying, God, give me patience and give it to me now, unless you're ready to receive what God has for you to get you to that point. Because it, it can be, it, it may be a little bit rough. But we know that when we do that, we, we build character, and then out of character, hope. So be careful when you ask for, for patience. So Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8 is where we're starting here. While we were yet weak, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Rarely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we just want to thank you this morning again. We just praise you for your word. Lord, I am, I am just, just a man that is bringing the word to the people. And I pray that you will bless this word this morning. Lord, that people will have their ears open to hear what you have to say to them. Lord, we want to just encourage people this morning. We want you to be able to encourage people who are going through things. That's what we're here for. We're also here, Lord, to see miracles happen in people's lives. We're here to see people be healed and people be touched in a mighty way. But, Lord, we want your word, Lord. We, we know that we need to stand on your word when we're going through bad times. So, Lord, just give that to us this morning as we study your word. Thank you, Lord. So while we were yet weak, Christ died for us. While we were yet weak, Christ died for us. For so long... The attitude in the church has been, I've got to come clean to church before I can come to Jesus. And we have seen that, and every denomination has done it to some, some point, right? Every denomination. So I think it's kind of funny nowadays we have what's called the non-denominational which I call them the denomination, the non-denominational denomination, right? Because that's what they are. They're, they, they're their own little denomination. Uh, as Mark Lowry said, oh, we know what you are. You're just Baptist with a cool website, right? <laughs> uh, better, music. But, better music, yeah. So when we, look at, when we see the past, we have seen the church a lot of times, we, we really say, hey, you got to clean up. You got to look this way. You got to dress this way to come into church. As a matter of fact, I know of people who've been kicked out of church because of the way they looked when they walked in. I know a guy who's a preacher today. He's a pastor today, but when he walked in, his hair came down to his shoulders. He was 19 years old. This is about 60 years ago or so. And he walks into church, and he walks. he's just looking for the Lord. And he walks down the front. God's moving on him in this church, and he hits, hits his knees. He's crying out to God. And what, is, what happens is a deacon comes up and says, Son, you can't, you, you can't be in here like this. Now, it's surprising that he even became a pastor to have that happen to him on his visit into church. Didn't grow up in church. Didn't know about God, really. But what do we have? He, he, falls, on his, he, he falls down on his knees, but instead somebody says, no, get up. You, gotta, you need to go cut your hair. You need to go put on some pants and get the flip-flops off, you know, those kind of things. Why? Because we think that to be inside the church, we've got to be one way. We've got to look a certain way. We've got to smell a certain way, whatever it is. 
you know, and, and we have to be careful because even, even as we have changed, we can get a little bit legalistic because then somebody walks into church with a suit on now and then we look down on them because they're wearing a suit and they're not dressed comfortably, right? We need to, come to be able to come to Jesus weak because we've all, we've talked about this the last few weeks, we have all we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory and continue to fall short of the glory of God. We are all weak. None of us are good. None of us are good. Christ died for us while we were still ungodly. He didn't die for us when we were clean. And when we're talking to people, we need to let them know. I don't know if you tell them that they were ungodly unless the Lord tells you to say it that way, but say, you know what? I, I was ungodly and Christ died for me. I was not perfect and Christ died for me. Christ died for you no matter what you've done. Have you ever talked to anybody? Maybe you felt that way at one point, and you go, oh, I did feel that way at one point. Maybe you were in church, and you made a mistake, and you go, man, I don't feel like I could, I could come back. I don't feel like God wants to take me back. But you know what? We are constantly falling short of his glory. You know, some things may look bigger than others, but it's like they say, you know, these white lies, what? it's a lie. Did you hear that white lie? It's a lie. It says lie on it. It doesn't matter. It's a lie. We are all imperfect individuals. Now, when we think about coming to Christ and we say, I've got to, I'm not good enough to come to Christ. I'm just, I'm just not, this person over here is good enough. Well, let's talk about a guy who, who was good enough to come to Christ, who, we, who most people would say, yeah, he's good. he was good enough to come to Christ. We're going to talk in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22, and you've probably heard this story a hundred thousand times. It's about the rich young ruler. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. It says, when he set out on his way, a man came running, and that's Jesus, a man came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is it good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He answered him, teacher, all these things I've observed from my youth. Then Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. He was saddened by that word and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. So here's a man who was good. Most of us would say he was good. He could, probably, uh, he could probably go to that church down the road, whatever church that is that thinks you have to wear a suit and tie to get into heaven, or you've got to talk a certain way. What was the church Ray Stevens sung about? What was that, what was that church? Do you know who I'm talking about? Sleepy little town of Pascagoula? I'll remember the name of that church here in a minute. Oh, the first self-righteous church. First self-righteous church, there you go. Go look it up on YouTube, it's old. <clears throat> but it's funny, it's funny. Ray Stevens, he was a funny guy. But this guy, he was good. He, he had it all down. He knew the scriptures. He knew everything. He could, he could quote scripture. He had honored his mom. He'd honored his dad. He'd done all these things. But he had something that was missing. So no matter how good we think we are, we still have something that's missing. And for him, he says, Give everything that you have, all your possessions to the poor, and come follow me. And people go, well, you may be sitting here this morning going, well, that's a good thing. I'm not rich. Yes, but what do you have in your life? What do you have in your life that you're not willing to give up for Jesus? And then he says, then come back, take up your cross, and follow me. 
What are you not willing this morning to give up, okay, so that you can come back and take up your cross and follow Jesus? See, we, we like to sing these songs about um, taking up our cross and, and the, the, the bloodstained cross, all these kind of things, but I think a lot of times we forget what it means. You see somebody walking down the road, you know, dragging a cross, and that's great. You see him with a cross, but what does it mean? Taking up your cross doesn't mean that I'm going to follow Jesus and everything's going to be good. And we have got this going on in our world today. We've got this teaching going on that if I take up my cross, then everything's going to be great. If I become a Christian, everything should be great. And so what do we do? We preach sermons to make you feel good and encourage you and make you go, oh, I feel great this morning. I'm going to go out and I'm going to have a great week. Well, what if I came in this morning and I said, this afternoon... On the way to, you're going to be going through Cabot, right? On the way through Cabot, somebody's going to stop you. They're going to drag you out of your truck, and they're going to slice your, your head off. You know, whoa, wait a minute here. Yeah, <laughs> getting real rough in Cabot. So, here's, so you go, well, what are you talking about? Well, just, I think it was last week or two, uh, there was a pastor in India. He was going out, and he was ministering to people, and he was leading people to Christ. And they grabbed him, and they tacked, and the taxi guy, they pulled them both out, they, they tied both of them up, and then they cut the pastor's head off and let the taxi guy go. The pastor was 46, I think, 45, 46. When we say we're going to take up our cross and follow Jesus, we have to understand that there could be a price that we're going to have to pay. We, we, were, we had RC up here just about two or three weeks ago talking about the Christians that, that are being persecuted in Nicaragua. The Christians, because of everything else that's going on, they're having to go through some rough stuff. Well, wait a minute. I thought, the, I thought this other preacher said everything was going to be great. I'm, I'm, going to have, I'm, I'm going to be wealthy. I'm going to have everything that I need in life. And, and I'm going to live a great life. Listen, God will give you, I said this last week, God will give you what you need. And if he wants to give you $5 million because he knows you'll use that $5 million for his good, then he'll do it. But let me tell you something. He said at the end of this, this passage here, he said, it is harder for a rich person to enter heaven than for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Get this. If you're rich, you better, be, you better know that you're, you're listening to God. Because what happens is when we get our possessions, when we get these things, then it becomes very hard to trust in God. It becomes very hard to trust in God. You know, I've said over and over again, when it comes to this church, God could have, could have had us at 150 or 250 or 300 by now. But God knew I needed to grow. He knew that if, if, we had got, if we started out and had 250 or 300 within a couple of weeks, that I would have got too full of myself, and I would have started going, hi, see, I can do this thing. Now let me do this over here and do this over there. But instead, God says, you know, let me grow you because you want the church that I've called you to plant. I don't want you to plant some other kind of church. I want you to plant the church I've called you to. And through that, God continues to grow me and continues to prepare me for what he has. And praise God, he's sending people from all over the United States of America to come to this church and fill it up. Now we're just ready for the people that are already in Maumelle to come here, right? <laughs> Praise God for all of you people from outside of Arkansas, Amen. West Virginia, and Texas, and Washington State. Goodness gracious. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes.
So when we, uh, we, we, when we come to Jesus, we have to come just as we are, just as we are, and we've got to be willing to lay it down. Matthew 6, 21 tells us this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lay it all down when you come to Jesus and understand that no matter what you've got, it doesn't matter if you can come to the church and you can give $1,000 a week to church. That's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to help you get to heaven. Lay it all down and understand that what I need to do is just focus on Christ. Where does he have me going? Where does he want me to go? I want to love him. I want to live for him. I don't want to be focused on my own possessions. So if you're weak, you can still come to Christ. You go, well, I made some mistakes, and, and I don't know that God wants me in church. Or maybe you know a friend who said that. Go to that friend and say, hey, I'm weak too. I made mistakes too. I am not perfect. I've made mistakes. Go and tell them. If you're ministering and witness to somebody, oh, I've done something wrong, don't just immediately say, well, let me pray with you. Say, you know what? I've done some things wrong too. But while I was still weak, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. And I'm going to keep on pounding this while we're in Romans. I'm going to keep on pounding that we continually fall short of the glory of God. It's not one time that Scripture, when you look deep in that, it means it's you're continually falling short. Did you get up this morning in the best mood? Did you get up yesterday in the best mood? How about tomorrow in the best mood? Did you say something cross to, to your spouse? Did you, did you say something to your kids? Did you kick your dog? I mean, you know what? It happens sometimes. We do something stupid. It's okay. It's a, that's why we have each other. That's why the church is so important. That's why fellowship is so important. Do not, do not pull yourself away from the family of God. Do not pull yourself away. When you do, you begin to lose sight of who God is in your life because that family is the one. You probably have your own family, right? You're here, you're alive. I'm sure you've got a family somewhere, right? Well, the family of God is just as important and maybe even more important because sometimes those family members you've got, they ain't living pretty good, right? And they ain't going to say good things about you. But you know what? I'll tell you, and I, t- I talk to people about this a lot of times, if we will begin to just encourage each other in the church— if we will encourage each other in church, stop looking at the weakness of the other person and notice that we have the same, we may have the same weakness or maybe something worse going on in our life that we need to get right and say, you know what, let's bind together with cords that cannot be broken. Let's work together. Let's don't focus on, on, on what else is going on other than, you know, I'm going to fall. You know, if I, if I brought every one of you up here and we, and we put our arms around each other in a circle and one person began to fall, the rest would ride it. Do you get that? You put your arms in a circle, you come in tight, as soon as one person, guess what? Because you have all the strength of the rest of that circle together to hold you up. And if we'll do that as a family, we'll have all the strength of the rest of the circle. We're not going to be worried about who is weaker or who is not weaker. Instead, we're going to be saying, hey, we're in this together. How can I help you out? How can I help you out? Somebody goes through a divorce, we don't condemn them. Instead, we say, come here, let's help you out. Let's stand in the, in the gap for you. Let's stand here for you. We love you. We care about you. We care about you. Romans chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 9 says this. We're going to continue. How much more then, being now justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, being reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Furthermore, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom 
we have now received reconciliation. So justification. I know we've talked about this, but I, I want to hammer it home. There's a difference between justification and sanctification, and we'll be getting into sanctification in the coming weeks. Justification means that you have been, you have been declared innocent even though you're guilty. Okay? You've been declared innocent. So that would be like the, the judge coming up and saying, uh, yeah, you, you have a speeding ticket, but I'm declaring you innocent. All right? So I'm, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. It, it's more than this because when we talk about what Jesus did on the cross, it's more than a speeding ticket. Okay? It's a lot more than a speeding ticket. But you've been declared innocent even though you deserve to be found guilty. And we were justified by the blood of Jesus. That's what he said. He says, now much more being justified by his blood, shall we be saved from the wrath through him. So we were weak. We're all sinners. We're weak. We've fallen. We deserve wrath. We deserve wrath. We deserve the wrath that comes from heaven because we are bad people. I don't care how good you are. You're a bad person. There's only one that's good, right? It's the Father. Jesus just said that in, in the passage before this. So we have been justified, and because of that justification, much more being justified by his blood, we will be saved from the wrath through him. And so don't think, when we talk about like this man who, who lost his head for Christ, that wasn't the wrath of God, okay? That was not the wrath of God. The wrath of God is something totally different. It's a lot worse than just losing your life, okay? It, 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 the wrath is reserved for those people who do not have Jesus, who have not come under the justification of his blood, all right? So we, this is the reason that I believe that we will not go through the great tribulation because I do not believe that as Christians we're going to have to endure that wrath. I think that's one of the great things, uh, uh, one of the great reasons that I believe that we're not going to be going through the great tribulation. Notice I said the great. I didn't say tribulation. It's two total different things there. Because remember last week we learned tribulation brings perseverance, brings us patience. The great tribulation is, a, is an end time uh, event that's going to happen where the Lord is going, to be try, is going to be showing himself really more than anything to the Jews and letting them know that Jesus is the Messiah. But I don't believe that we're going to have to go through that tribulation because we do not have to endure the wrath of God. And you don't want to endure it, even though we may deserve it. So we've been found guilty of that. But we can go every day. You know, the scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Why, why do we have joy? Why would we have joy? Joy is not because you've got a new car. That's happiness. It's a little bit different. I'm happy i got a new car. When that car payment comes in next month, you're no longer happy. <laughs> right? You're like going... Man, that was really great for 30 days or 45 days, or maybe you got him to put it out over 90 days, and then you realize, wait a minute, I have to pay those three payments on the end of the note. I thought I was getting away with something here. That didn't happen. Where, <laughs> well, man, they got me. But I sure, I sure love driving for nine days and not making any payments on it. But man, look at that insurance. Look at that interest. Whew. Can I take it back? Not too late now. That's happiness. We have happiness. But joy, why do we have joy? The reason we have joy it's because we are saved from the wrath that we deserve. That's the joy. When you wake up in the morning, if you feel bad, if you got a cold, if you stumped your toe, all right, 
If your spouse yelled at you, how can you still have joy in that? Because, because when we're in Jesus, then we have joy through him. Because when I can stop and think about, you know, what's the song say? I was once a sinner, but I came, pardoned to receive for my own. It was freely given. Oh, I can't remember it. There's a new name written down in glory. That's the name of that song anyway. There's a new name written. Why, am I, why can I be joyful? Because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a new name written in glory. I was a sinner. No longer am I. I am now a child of God. I am now part of the kingdom. I am now a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Isn't that pretty cool? Amen. Hey, we don't have to endure that wrath any longer. We could get up. So would you get up tomorrow and you go, okay, God, I'm a sinner. Lord, I am weak. But you know, I have joy because I've been justified by the blood of Jesus. I, am, I, I can make it to heaven because even though I am unperfect and I continue to be unperfect, God is going to get me there through the blood. When I get there, Jesus is going to say, hey, I've got it covered. Remember we talked about this, I think it was last week. I've got it covered right here, literally. i got it covered. My blood covered him, right? i got it covered right here. Don't worry about it. So no matter what you went through, if you're, if you're living for the Lord, if you're saved and you love Jesus, you make mistakes, just continue to talk to him and just be joyful and just say, hey, I'm covered. I'm not going to let Satan take me down. I'm not going to let Satan get me down. I'm not going to let Satan pull me over. If some of you went through some bad stuff in your life. Some of you went through some hard situations in your life, okay? But don't let it just say, hey, everybody is weak. Everybody goes through some bad things. Everybody goes through some, some really terrible things. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this group of people here this morning. I thank you for them taking time out of their day to come and be a part of the family of God and to worship together and to love you and to just glorify you this morning. Lord, I pray that your scripture, your word, here in Romans will continue to speak into their heart during this week, Lord. Lord, I'm just a vessel, but I'm just like everybody else. I continually fall short of your glory. But praise God, I'm covered by the blood. Praise God, even though I should be found guilty. I've been found innocent because Jesus' blood justifies me. Lord, I just give you glory in that today, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Mike, you want to come? We're going to go ahead and take up our offering this morning. If you've got an offering and you want to give this morning, I encourage you to give. Remember, you can also give online. The easiest way right now, just go to unlimitedchurch.tv, slide over all the way to the right, and click the Give Online uh, button there. And, I mean, it's, it's really simple as one, two, three. So if you're, if, if you're giving this morning, maybe you gave online already, just take that in your hand. I want to pray, pray over that this morning, that God will bless it. Lord, we just thank you. I thank you for every person that gives. Lord, if they didn't give, Lord, uh, you'd have to bring it in from somewhere else. So I thank you that they're giving to your ministry and to your work. Lord, I pray that you'll bless their hands. I pray that you'll bless their jobs. I pray that you'll bless their future for their obedience in giving to you because some of these people are sacrificially giving this morning. So I pray that everything that they do, that you will bless it, Lord. Lord, that you will give them the things that they need to be able to work for you and serve you. And we just give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.